0: Welcome everyone to another episode of Rounds. Today, our topic is race in America. I'm going to start with a quote that, that I would love to hear your feedback on. It's by Oprah Winfrey. I was raised to believe that excellence is the best deterrent to racism or sexism. And that's how I operate to my life. I'll just read it one more time. I was raised to believe that excellence is the best deterrent to racism or sexism, and that's how I operate in my life. So what do you guys think about that quote? Hmm.
1: So I'm going to start off by saying I love Oprah. I think all Black women pretty much love Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to have to disagree with this because um, when she says excellence, I'm automatically thinking like that she's referencing society's version of success, right? Which is oftentimes just viewed as having money or which comes from like um, degrees in academia, right? So whether you're a doctor not, and when I say doctor, I'm referencing MDs, dentists, PhDs and others that have doctorates, Right. Those lawyers and any version of celebrity. So anything that equates you with having a lot of money is like society's version of success, right? It's this idea of like you made it, right? And so even in those positions, though, um, black people are still dealing with racism. There aren't as many black partners at law firms or black-owned law firms. There aren't that many black doctors. Um, and even when you do go to Black doctors or, you know, Black lawyers, the access to different resources look different than their white counterparts, right? And surely in celebrity, um, the celebrity world, there are, there's racism because opportunities differ vastly. Like we see how they, back in the day, they would literally have white people playing in Black face for the role Mm -hmm. of Black people instead of just giving the role to a Black person, right? And so to say excellence is the best deterrent from racism it's quite frankly just inaccurate um because even with the degree with the money with the power with all the roles you're still having to deal with racism and sexism you know i don't want to brush that under the rug too but most of these positions are held by men you know so
2: um i'm, I'm just going to disagree <laughs> yeah i i agree i agree with you christina I also strongly disagree with that statement, even though I love Oprah and I support her, because I believe that, you know, of course, racism is based off of discrimination of your race, you know, and then sexism is like treating you different or discrimination based off your sex, whether you are a female or a male. And I realize that excellence is also synonymous with supremacy. You know, it's sort of mm. saying that mm. one is better than the other. So if we're going to be accepting or treating people based off of that, then it's essentially no different than practicing one of the isms. Mm -hmm. You know, like what are we doing differently? Are we? It's sort of like another um, form of discrimination. You know, so I think this quote is really making excuses for racism and sexism. That oh, as long as you are, you know, beneath what society or I deem as excellent, then I can discriminate against you. Mm -hmm. Just be wrong. And then the other end, too, is like it gives a false hope to Mm marginalized groups. Because what happens when you have achieved excellence and you're still treated the same way? Like Christiana said, what happens when you're an MD and you're still followed in the store? What happens when you are Oprah and you go to Italy and they refuse to sell you a bag? At that point, it doesn't matter what kind of Oprah you are, they are looking at your outside and they're literally judging you based off of that so i think like people should not be judged by their outside um appearance the color of their skin whatever race they are they should be judged on their character but in order to know someone's character it requires a level of effort on your part to get to know them and i think that's the part that's missing from our society right now
0: Mm. good points good points um yeah i mean i read this um quote and i was just really thinking like wow I disagree with Oprah at this point as well, but I really, really love Oprah. And then I started thinking more about this quote and I realized I could probably write a dissertation on just this quote. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> there's, there's a lot to unpack. And for me, when I heard the term, oh, excellence, I strive to be excellent. In a way, it kind of means modifying my behavior so that I can be seen as excellent, and so I'll be treated better. And it reminded me of a conversation I had with a scholar who's an expert on race. And I made a comment to him about how I, you know, I try to see myself as like a Black brand ambassador and how I kind of carry myself in a way so that people can see me and be like, oh, Black people can be intelligent. Black people are smart. And so I used to think that that's something positive, that that could actually change the view of other people about black people so in a way before i used to kind of align with what oprah was saying Mm. and um, when i was talking to this scholar he responded and gave me an article to read by um charles blow and i love charles Blow; he's always on cnn and this article was called my wish for michelle obama Mm -hmm. and i read that article and i just had a total mind shift and The whole article was basically saying how he was sad that Michelle Obama, the former first lady, a really smart woman with multiple degrees, um, at a presentation, she made a quote where she said that, you know, maybe if I show up every day as a human, a good human, maybe, just maybe, that would pick away at the scabs of your discrimination. Mm. and his response was kind of like that's a shame that she has to think that way and that for us to try and think that our behavior is going to change the minds of racists is kind of flawed because he was saying that asserting that there is a behavioral cure for racism simply supports the inverse argument that there's a behavioral cause for it Meaning that, you know, it it was just a very interesting article. I mean, he was just really talking about the history of racism and how in back in the day, there was more of a biological difference that they thought people were, you know, less than because of a biological thing, not really because of their behavior. So I don't know, it just really changed my mind about thinking of how I would have to modify myself so that somebody can view me as equal whereas I should just be viewed as equal. And basically, if I want to be excellent, I should be excellent for myself, not because I'm trying to get other people to view me a certain way and treat me differently. So that's a long spiel, but um, I really recommend that article by Charles, Charles Blow, and it's called, again, My Wish for Michelle Obama. So, yeah, that's my thoughts on that quote. And then I guess when I think about everything that's been going on since George Floyd's death, there's been a lot of protests in America and different states globally. There's been removal of statues and there's been a lot of discussion on race. So as black people, I'm just curious to know, how have you felt during this time
1: It's difficult, it's heavy, um, because I, I, and I hesitate to say this because it's not like this idea of racism was never at the forefront of my mind, right? As a Black woman, you're kind of reminded of the fact that you're Black every day you kind of step out. Like you say, you're kind of doing this whole, like, self-presentation thing that if you don't wear your hair wrapped up outside or to the grocery store that you're not considered quote unquote ghetto, you know? So you're kind of reminded of, of race all the time. But I think now it's, it's displayed at a level um, that triggers emotions that are deeper than what they were beforehand. Cause beforehand we were kind of, we were able to kind of like live in this world that's like, okay, we know that people are racist. Like, here's what's next. I know I have to work twice as hard to do this. I know I have to do this. I have to do that, you know, for these opportunities. But now that it's displayed on, like, a national level, it's it triggers feelings that are deeper, right? Because now we have the stage to kind of say, look, this has been my experience. This is what I want from it, right? But I think that people are missing some of the points, right? So you're taking down statues, you're changing street names, that's great. Nobody wants to be reminded of the Confederacy every time they step foot on their campus, you know? Um, But I think it's in Houston, Texas, they were saying how realtors will no longer refer to the bedroom, the big bedroom in the house, the master bedroom as the master bedroom, right? But what they're forgetting is, how about you have those realtors give us access to all of the neighborhoods? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Stop showing us houses that are literally in an all-black neighborhood, unless I'm asking you for an all-black neighborhood. Show me the million-dollar neighborhoods. If I have been approved for a loan that's $500,000, show me a house that's $500,000, and then you talk them down to 450. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Be Mm -hmm. a realtor. Stop playing into this systematic racism that we had here in this country, you know what I'm saying? So I, you know, I'll just be on my soapbox all day. So I'm gonna go ahead and, <laughs> and kick it to charity and see what she thinks. But yeah, it's difficult because it's it's on the big screen now. And it's like, it's constantly replaying in your mind. And it's it's hard because you, now you see these, when you go out, you have people that are at the coffee shops who are offering you extra pastries and stuff just cause you're black and I don't need your sorrow. You know, I don't, need, I don't need you to be sorry for me. I don't need you to be feeling playing a sympathy card, you know.
2: Yeah. I need you to be the change. Yeah, that's such an important um, point that you bring up, because especially when you look all over the media, I feel like the, the true um, objective or the true like you know, the true goal of the movement has been distorted you know and it's they're doing everything else but which but what we are asking which is systematic change like we want policies changed. like we want resources for equal opportunity for equal access to the same things the statues have been there long enough like honestly it's not going to change right like if we have been able to live with these statues all this long like why don't you actually do what we're asking versus doing all these other things that in the grand scheme of things don't actually address the root problem you know so with me personally I have a mixture of emotions um I honestly feel like I went through all the stages of grief
0: mm-hmm.
2: like when I first saw the Floyd's video on Facebook I was shocked but also um because I've only seen people dying in movies mm-hmm. usually when I've seen like you know real deaths it's been in documentaries like I remember Oscar Grant's like you know, it was very vivid for me and I actually I was crying because I was like oh my gosh it's like a real human and their life just left them." you know so it was amazing to me that it was on Facebook mm. social media something meant for entertainment like we're just watching and real life execution like right in front of my eyes so I was also like really scared as well I was like wow I can't believe it like I just watched a man die but um I think what bothered me the most was the people in the video And not even like the people around there were screaming like, yo, 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 like the man's not moving. He can't breathe. Look at him. It was like the officers. And of course, you know, depending on what angle you looked at in the video, the officer on his neck, it's almost like he was like robotic, like a machine. Do you know what I'm saying? Like literally choking. I mean, it's different, of course, when you see in drama movies, you know, someone choking, they have the aggressive face choking, but it's like this man, it was almost like automatic. Like, you know, like I am here to execute a goal and that's to kill you. So it's something that I've done before. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like muscle memory. Yeah. Mm -hmm. To the point where even when the life has left the man, I'm still doing it, Mm -hmm. you know? And like, that really scared me. Just the lack of sympathy or empathy for a human's life. Mm -hmm. And it scared me the most, because I've seen the way people react to videos of animals being kicked, dog fighting. They'll be in a whole uprage. Do you know what I'm saying? But this is a human grown man on the ground Mm -hmm. and it's just like how can people now say oh i don't know the full story so i can't make any judgments wow what full story do you need do you know what i'm saying i was like what what full story do i need since when have executions or electrocutions happened on the street do you know what i'm saying even if it's like court ordered since when have we been witness to that Mm. You know what I'm saying? So it's just really like, it's crazy to me. You know what I'm saying? And it sort of really translated to me that he deserved to die. And I'm not going to lie. It made me feel some type of way. You know, I know that I take social media with a grain of salt in terms of, you know, it being a window into people's thoughts and minds, but it made me scared of individuals around me Mm. because I'm like, okay, if you think that, you know, God forbid, if something like that happened to me with all that you know of me. What are you gonna say about me mm. oh you don't know the full story do you know what I'm saying so now like what it's okay for someone to just strangle me in the middle of the street like what exactly are we
0: saying I don't know mm. really it's yeah it's I've shared a lot of sentiments that you both have said and it was really sad to watch that video I really resisted watching it for a while because I just didn't want to be sad or see death in front of me but I felt I needed to watch it because I needed to be informed of what's going on in this country that I'm living in and I watched it and I was extremely sad again like Charity mentioned the fact that there were four policemen and no one could stop the officer from kneeling on this man's neck was atrocious to me despite the shoutings from other people watching that this guy can't breathe. He himself shouting, I can't breathe. And the total disregard for his life was just appalling to see. And I remember the next couple of days, I really was just sad, couldn't really do much. And then of course I saw the images of his family and I couldn't imagine what it must feel like to see a brother, a father, healed publicly, senselessly, um, on TV and social media. And um, I just was really, really sad. And after a while, I realized that I wanted to do something. I thought, what can I do? What can I do? I really wanted to pour this energy somewhere. And the first thing I thought about was to write because I love writing. And it's a way for me to express myself and to just unpack my feelings. And so I wrote a little article which I shared with friends and family. And that, to be honest, that also spurred conversations with people. And one of the discussions I've had, or that I've things that I've learned, was regards to black people in America of different origins. Specifically, I'm gonna talk about Africans. Um, and you know, I read some things, some people said to me, and Some Africans, it seemed, probably distanced themselves from George Floyd. They probably distanced themselves from the African-American experience, and that really bothered me. And I've been really thinking about how can I help to bridge this gap? Because what a lot of Africans don't know is the fact that no matter how many degrees or how rich you think you are, at the end of the day, you're black in America. No one's gonna stop you, or God forbid, you be in a situation like George Floyd. They're not gonna say, oh, okay, this person is Kenyan, this person is Nigerian, okay, no, 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 well, okay. No, it doesn't, it doesn't work like that. And um, yeah, I've just been really moved by the fact that there doesn't seem to be a lot of black unity in the country or globally. There is to an extent, but I just, I wish for more engagement and more unity with black people in America, least of all that we all have the same color. Um, So, I mean, there's so many things that have come up from George Floyd's death for me and also including the need for people to actually vote. Mm-hmm. And for me to also see myself more as, how can I help? And how can I also step out of my comfort zone and talk to people, African Americans, white people who are not like me, learn more, and just try to be, I guess, the change in society personally. So um, yeah, that's my, um, that's how I've been feeling. The
2: point about African unity really sort of hits close, like, you know, hits home to me because I identify both as, like, you know, African Ghanaian and American, and um, it's it's sometimes hurtful because some of the stereotypes, you know, the implicit biases are, like, perpetrated within your family and within your close friends and, you know, in your circles, and, um It's a sort of like, you know, us versus them, not our problem type thing. But I think what a lot of my African brothers and sisters fail to recognize is that right now, being first generation or, you know, being like the immediate immigrant family, your accent might protect you. But don't forget, you're having children. We're having nieces and nephews who are going to start sounding, quote unquote, American. And what's going to protect them, you know? like before people discriminate again because they're not basing it off a character they're basing it off of outside appearance they're not going to come and ask you oh so what kind of black are you
1: Mm -hmm.
2: (laughs) it's going to apply regardless or not you know so it's important that we all join together to fight this good fight because it's literally going to benefit us all and i think that's what i need all of us to like recognize you know this is not an African-American problem. This is like an all of us problem, you know? And this is also not just a black problem. This is a white problem as well. This is a Native American problem. There you go. Uh, when you look at the history of America, like atrocity and genocide is literally weaved within the fabric, the very foundation of this place. So we teach history so that we can make sure that things like this don't happen again, you know? So it's not enough to be neutral. It is not enough to be, oh, I'm not racist. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like, you have to go beyond that. It's like, you actually have to educate yourself to make sure that your children or you are not perpetrating those same atrocities that this country is based off of.
1: I totally agree. And I, and I, you know, as public health scientists, social scientists, we often look for solutions. And I know that we've kind of mentioned off offline, like, you know, well, what is the answer? Like, what do we do? Right. And, you know, I I don't, I don't know what the answer is. Right. Because that means we would have to go all the way back in time and just start over, you know, but I, I, I think that there are opportunities here for us as black people to literally, um, start our own you know what i'm saying like if we have opportunities we have the scientists we have the teachers we have the doctors we have so many people that are in positions where we can literally start our own and i would love to see like you know just to bring it back around to black unity i would love to see like us come together um and just really start feeding you know, start that networking process now and, and start to build that, that foundation so that we can, so that we get our Black Wall Street back. You know, mm-hmm. um, there's so much power in, you know, having your own land and, you know, circulating the Black dollar and, you know, <sighs> I don't know what the solution is. For me, I would like to see that. I would mm-hmm. like to see that, you know, that's part of the reason why I'm so pro-AGBCU um, for those, what I did four years undergrad, two years master's, for those six years, I was like in this black utopia. And mm. there is nothing like coming on campus and you call in your, your mentor, doctor, such and such. And then three hours later, you get a phone call or a text that shifts your whole world and you're in their office crying and they're driving you to the house. Because you're that comfortable with shifting the fact that they're your student and mentor, because you know they understand what's going on. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? There was so much. There's so much love and 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 passion behind what um, faculty members do at HBCUs, and I I really do. I support HBCUs wholeheartedly. Um, now, granted, you know, like I've mentioned before, the world doesn't look like that, so you have to go get your, some experience elsewhere. But those gems that you get from the HBCU experience in learning, you know, what the African diaspora looks like, looks like in a textbook, and not a textbook created by white people, a textbook created by other black scholars that teaches you really what the slave trade was about. You know, those classes are important to teach you um, you know, your history of being Black in America. Because um, say you don't get it at home. You know, mm-hmm. that we can't forget that some people are suffering from internalized racism. You've been yeah. fed by so much that you're afraid of your own people. So it's important, I think, um, to continue to circulate knowledge like in our community and to continue to um, support each other. And I think, Support looks different for everybody, but it, it looks different for everybody. But for me, the main thing is, the same way we ask white people to meet us halfway or the same way we ask others to give us equity, we gotta start doing that in our community too. Mm-hmm. Because what we don't realize is that some people in, the, in our community have, have had access to resources too. But when you hold on to that, you completely ignore another part of your community, right? So if if I go and get this degree, and then I decide not to pass down the gems that I've learned to people that look like me, then I'm holding on to knowledge and access to resources that could be very beneficial for the next generation. Mm -hmm. So I think that, you know, if we start practicing within our own community what we're asking other people to give to us, we'll start to see a shift too, you know? Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. I, was going to say, I I totally agree. And, you know, one of the, I really agree with what you said about sharing knowledge within our community and within amongst each other. And I remember I was talking to one of my friends and he was asking me, Oh, so what can we do? You know, do we have to wait till we're like top in a organization to try and make changes in that organization? Do we have to wait till we are leaders? And I was like, cause he, he was like, that's such a long, long-term goal. And I said, it's so funny because oftentimes where we are currently, we have so much power that we don't even know that we have power. We don't yeah. be, and I was telling him a simple, a simple thing. This is a friend of mine who has a PhD actually. And I was like, you know what? If a young person, a black person, a minority, any young person comes to you and says, Hey, I want to go to college. Can you help me um, review my letter, my essay letter? I'm like, dude, you have a graduate degree, a PhD in physics, you just taking time to help that person get into college, you know, that could have so much of an impact in that person's life and change their trajectory because you decided to take time and share your knowledge. And to be honest, that also challenged, as I told that person, that challenged me myself, that in my space, what am I doing to help minorities, to help people? want to go to college I can do something I can help I know how to read I've been to college this is my third time doing a PhD (laughs) and and to be honest that's why Christiana you saw me on that panel that day same same because I realized there was a panel that we were talking to minority students mostly minority students who wanted to go to grad school yeah and it didn't take anything out of me so no. we have a lot of power already and knowledge. We don't have to wait for this grand thing to be at this top CEO level of a top organization. We already have something within us and we can share to move our whole community forward. I totally agree. I, I love that. Um, that has been my motto for
2: a very long time because my very first, um, my very first experience with a Black mentor didn't go well. <laughs> because I had an upperclassman that I was paired to and she completely like ignored me and I was just like what am I because I went to a PWI and I'm just like uh (laughs) you know I really thought because I thought it was like a big sister little sister thing yeah and I remember like I just it felt like pulling teeth just to get her to respond to me and I remember like I think after my first year when I became a sophomore I was like if any any other person do you know what i'm saying reaches out to me i would never i will go out of my way to make sure they never feel like this even if i don't know the answer i will point them to the right place you know to make sure they get the answer because like you said there's so much power even the little thing you do can literally make such a big impact in someone's life you know the difference between applying for a scholarship or a a fellowship versus taking out loans Yeah. Mm. like hey um you know the way your scholarship works hold up on the loans. Your scholarship will cover you. Don't listen to financial lady. You're going to end up in 20K in debt. Just hold on a little bit. That little bit of information. Do you know what I'm saying? can make a difference between graduating at the end of the four years with $100,000 in loans versus graduating at the end of the four years with $5,000 in loans, you know? So like you were saying, I think mentorship and just really reaching back, being a source of like, you know, access or resource for people that look like us, you know, people that want to be in positions like us, is so important and like you said it doesn't cost a thing like it might literally cost you an hour of your time but you sit on facebook for more than three hours you know that 20 minutes or 30 minutes of just looking over someone's essay to make sure that you know it makes sense giving some constructive feedback can literally make a whole lot of difference you know and i've been a beneficiary of that i you know of course i graduated but i met many mentors and i met many colleagues that were willing to do that for me give me information give me the ins and outs of how to approach a PhD you know how to approach the application process and it was interesting because I met with other mentors who were white who were encouraging me to do different things like oh I don't think you should really be applying for like three schools I'm like I get what you're saying but (laughs) My black sisters over here are telling me (laughs) these are their experiences. These are the nuggets. Do you know what I'm saying? And I use that approach and I benefited from it. I actually got into all the schools I applied to without having to waste a ton of resources or seven to ten schools. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's like just that little thing that they gave to me, that little advice that they gave to me helped me so much. You know, then because it's coming from their perspective as well. People that look like me, you know, in those spaces versus someone was a completely different experiences experience for me and things are giving me the advice you know that will work best for me so yes I definitely encourage mentorship and um, I, cur- I encourage like, going back to communities or just sometimes even having the kids see you in itself like is a miracle you know that like hey people make it out of this environment and they can do well it doesn't always have to be entertainment or um, athletes. I totally agree. Like uh, one of the
1: community service projects, it wasn't a project, but one of the community service things that we would do um, during my master's program is we would go get kids from um, the west side of Atlanta and just bring them to campus.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Just bring them to campus. They just, just sit and we spend the whole day, we play games with them, we eat, we color. They just were on campus because that would be the first and last time that any of them set foot on campus. Wow. You know what I'm saying? So because the way society is set up, it's not going to hurt them towards getting a, a, a master's degree. Right. So and some, some of them might not even go to college, you know, and God forbid that anything happens to them prior to having an opportunity, you know, but just giving them the opportunity to step foot on campus and to see what a college because they're so young, they just called it college. Right. Just to see <laughs> what a college looks like just to see what black students look like, just to see what a black person looks like, that you're calling doctor, that you're not going to visit and get a shot. What Mm -hmm. does that, that does a lot for a person. Exposure is a lot. Mm -hmm. I think about my sister who is 19 years old and she is in college right now. And so she often is like, whether she's applying for something or, You know she's curious to know how to write an email or something like that she always comes to me right to write it and it makes me think of how boozle you said that if somebody brings an application to you like it takes 20 minutes out your day right when i was in college i used to be like why she keep bringing me this stuff like girl, don't you see me doing i was like don't you have teachers you know what i'm saying and then it clicked for me as i got into my master's degree and i was like i am that person that is my responsibility if she can't get it at home Because she's not getting it at school, where else she gonna get it from?
0: Mm
1: -hmm. Mm. And so to see how um your role even in your household can shift and change the trajectory of somebody's life. And my parents never said to any of us, go get a master's degree, go get a doctoral degree. Well, they never said any of that. It was just the expectation is that you'll go to college. Now, whether you like it or not, I would like for you to graduate, but the expectation is that you're gonna spend at least one year there. Period, <laughs> you know, and so of course you get there and you start to enjoy it. You start to see, you make friends, you know. So naturally, your inclination is to stay, right? And you know, if you ha- if you get linked up with um, just one good professor, they start to instill things in you. And I think that's part of the reason too why I want this doc- uh, this doctoral degree because I had one mentor who literally. I don't like to call like her to me, like, you know, a sheep in the, in the fields or whatever, but she kind of was like, hey, you know, looks like you're having a hard time with uh, organic chemistry there, you know? And how about, you know, you like, to, you like health, you, you're really passionate about being, about uh, what mental and physical wellness, like, how about you just explore public health a little bit? We got that degree, it's new on campus, you know, not very many people in the classes. How about you just check it out? As soon as I got into the first set of classes, my grade excelled. Mm. And that's the type of person you need in your corner. Somebody who's not going to tell you you can't do it, but they're mm-hmm. going to expose you and give you a, a different way of viewing something that aligns with what they see that you're passionate about. And, mm-hmm. and so many times I think that if we just listened or if we just paid attention to people that are underneath us who are are crying out for help without saying, hey, I need help, because they don't know the words to say, hey, I don't know how to apply for this scholarship, because nobody's talking to them about it. We can get on on the, the high school counselors later. That's a whole different podcast. But you know, for those people who are not like giving these kids like the tools that they need, you know, and it, I really believe it's never too late. You know what I'm saying? My sister may not have gotten that from me when I was in undergrad, or she may not have gotten that from me when I was in my master's program, but she sure as heck has it from me now. And that's where any of my students, because they're not, they're not in PhD programs. They have different areas of expertise, which is far beyond my comprehension. But um, they're, they're, they're not in the fields where they write a lot. And a lot comes from writing a simple email, a simple CV. You know what I'm saying? A lot comes from that. So as long as I'm living on this earth, they always have me for that yeah and so as we as we wrap up with all that being said i just really want to take the opportunity because this this could have been a little heavy you know it it strikes on different feelings and emotions and pulls up um honestly i feel like when we start talking about racism i have a little bout of ptsd but (laughs) um you know just let's end on a positive note so how about we just go around and say Mm -hmm. something positive like it's a black positive vibe or a positive takeaway from today
0: Okay, I think for me, one of the things that has really come up during this whole George Floyd protest has just been that there's been a lot of open discussions. And I think when there are discussions, there are opportunities for people to learn. And I think that's really great. There's increased knowledge going around. I'm seeing organizations talking a lot more about diversity intentionally and really thinking about how they can change their structures. And so even in schools, families are talking, churches are talking, people are talking. And that's a, that's a very positive big step that I take away from all of this. Yeah. For
2: me, um, I think as we work towards uh, reconciliation, I've realized that um, it involves a lot of grace you know, and patience. I know this might be an unpopular um, point of view, but I think we also have to recognize that there are people who have lived their entire lives without realizing that there are others next to them who live in a completely different world and not be treated the same. So I think um, during this, you know, period in time, um, I've really just learned to be patient and be, you know, gracious towards those people. And just um you know, giving them time to also realize that we're not all treated the same in this country. Yeah.
1: So I would leave people with the idea that unlearning is a process, right? There's a lot that we have to unlearn um, that we've been taught by the world, the society, social media, TV. Um, there's a lot that we have to, there's a lot of work we have to do there. And I think it's important that we can't negate each other's experiences. Right. Um, and that's as a black person in this country and that's as a woman in this country, right? My experience is real, um, and it's valid period. Um, and I think as soon as we're able to understand that and start practicing that, um, which I know is going to take time. It's uncomfortable and it's difficult, but it's necessary. Um, but as soon as we start practicing that, the quicker we can move together to be some of the most powerful people in the world, because um, our, our, our lineage as Black people is strong. And mm-hmm. I, I think that we really, we really are superhumans, if I might say so myself. <laughs> That's so, not right. um, yeah, so I, I think that, you know, the quicker we can do that, the quicker we can move, um, move together. My mentor always tells me, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together.
2: Mm, African proverb, bring it in. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so uh, I think that's important. And I've always kind of stuck by that. And it's always resonated with me with so many things
2: that I've done in life. So. Mm -hmm. Um, that's beautiful well that's all the time we have for today thank you guys so much for joining us on our blackgrounds podcast a very big thank you to all our friends and families and supporters you guys have been wonderful in showing um support and love we definitely feel the warmth and we're sending you positive vibes as well reach out to us on instagram or twitter um, at three blackgrounds and that's the number three you can also send us an email uh, three blackgrounds at gmail.com. Let us know what you think. We would love to hear what you have to say. Stay safe. And as
1: always, we love you. Blackgrounds out. <laughs>